0: Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition, continuing our series over Advent. Super excited about the arrival of Jesus and getting to celebrate that this Christmas. I'm joined by the lead pastor of Mission State Church, Russell Schultz. What's up, Russell, what's up, man? How are you? Doing great, Jake. Just uh, sitting on your couch. I miss this place. Yeah, yeah, we're back in the living room studio. <laughs> uh, hey, I wanted to uh, start with this thought. Uh, this was something that I heard in a recent Bible Project video or... Uh, Podcast. I don't watch podcasts like you apparently do. I heard on Sunday you mentioned that that was one that was a one time <laughs> mistake. This <laughs> just messing with you. Um, but they mentioned that uh, this is. I thought this was a really profound thought and lines up with our Advent series. So we all, depending on where we are born, the family that we grow up in, have some kind of calendar that's established in us. Uh, and what I mean by that is like so if you are. Born in the United States, you most likely know about Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday, third. Th- I can't believe I'm forgetting this. It's a fourth Thursday. I'm fairly certain. You're giving me a weird look. Like, is this escaping it's always when we turn the mics on that our brains just go dead uh (laughs) i believe it's the fourth thursday of november did you grow up in the united states jake yes i did um anyway you celebrate thanksgiving in the back half of november (laughs) uh, take fourth of july i think you know when that is there you go that's on you know between july 3rd and 5th um so yeah 4th of july you're gonna celebrate you know christmas is maybe not a religious holiday for you but most people celebrate some version of christmas on december 25th you celebrate a new year on january 1st like there are rhythms of holidays and celebrations and things that are kind of built into your regular everyday we start our school year most like pretty much all schools in America start in the fall, end in the spring, like end of spring, have a summer break of some kind. Now there's definitely um, you know exceptions to all rules, but in general there is a rhythm and a calendar that's established for all of us uh, when depending on where you're born and the cultural background and everything that you have. So Russell, I'm curious when we talk about advent like I've it's dawned on me through that thinking of like is my calendar more based off of the place that I live, the culture I grew up in, or is it based off of my faith, my walk with Jesus, like all that. And I don't want to get super uber spiritual where it's like, you should stop celebrating all holidays that aren't spiritual. That's not what I'm saying. I, I think, you know, it's more so just kind of an awareness of there is a calendar of faith uh, or one that like helps build my faith and then there's like the human calendar that I kind of grew up learning and live my life typically by. I mean, I think there's different aspects in if you say there's a US
1: calendar if you will, the calendars that just show up on my Google uh holidays automatically, you know. Yeah. I I mean, some of those are like they're faith-based. I mean, with, and culturally they've lost a lot of them. Um And then, but I I mean, if you're like, do I, how often do I adhere to the church calendar? I think because I didn't grow up in like a more high church, like a Catholic or Episcopal background, even Presbyterian background, we didn't really start celebrating church calendar things other than like the high, high days like Christmas Eve and Christmas and, um, and Easter. Like those are the only two really on my cultural calendar, if you will. Um, and of course, those, they were, the, the meanings of them were uh, reinterpreted by culture with, you know, Christmas, with, with, uh, with, uh, with Santa Claus and an Easter bunny. Um, but later, when I got to high school, we our church started celebrating more, you know, they started actually lighting candles. And I was like, why are we doing this? I don't know what that is for Advent. And then, you know, actually celebrating, like do, practicing Lent uh, or um, even doing like a service on Pentecost to celebrate that a little bit after Easter. So um, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's – I mean, I think it's okay to be from a culture and to have those things. There's nothing wrong. But I do think there is a profoundness to actually like looking at the church calendar and going, all right, this could be a very powerful time of spiritual growth in my life and shape the way I look at the year, you know, um, and could bring more joy, more, you know, more worship towards God and even proclaiming him to other people.
0: Yeah. Now, if you are thinking right now, like, well, you know, I've kind of adapted my traditional holidays to have a more Christian flair to them on Thanksgiving. I view it as a day to give thanks to God. You could even say on 4th of July, you know, you're talking about like, uh, when the church calendar would celebrate like Passover or something like that. The exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt. I think that's it's, I'm not trying to, it's a a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison of like, Here in America, our freedom from Britain, because not necessarily enslaved, but there are certain, uh, maybe they're charging a lot for my tea, (laughs) exactly. But you could say that you could make the claim that there are injustices, there was oppression that was happening. uh, There were religious freedom was a large reason why a lot of people left to come to the United States, things like that. And so, um, not to say that all American holidays have a religious base to them or anything like that, but if you wanted to make the claim, like, hey, I I add a Christian flair to these holidays. I get that. I think that's a middle ground that you could make the case. It's like, you know, that's, that's kind of how you've adopted this, the, the, how you've uh, filled in the gap between the two. Um, So, and I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Well, I just wanted to throw that out there and something, it's an interesting thought process to go through of like, what is my calendar? What's been instilled in me? How do I view the rhythms of the year? And is that, you know, beneficial to my soul or is it more so just kind of human nature? Um, And maybe that there's a benefit to your soul that you could add to it. Just throwing that out there. uh, I thought it was an interesting thing. I wanted to bring it up, but let's jump into uh, today's Advent week. Uh, We are in the week of joy. At least that's what we're in the week of. I have noticed actually... Actually, Russell, this is wild to me because I thought Advent was like a really old tradition. But as you Google, like certain uh, resources have the weeks in different orders. Yeah. So we have done hope, peace, now joy, and we'll do love next week. Uh, other places will combine peace and joy and have like a week of ex- expectation. Uh, some will have them in different order. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm used to a traditional Advent that goes in a different order or something like that, I hear you. Uh, and I don't know that there's necessarily anything wrong between either of us because we're all saying that Jesus brought hope, joy, peace, love into the world with him. And that's what we're celebrating. That's the arrival of Jesus that we're celebrating. And Did, so, you, did you not consult the Book of Common Prayer? I did not consult the Book of Common Prayer. Okay. Would you like to tell me what the Book of Common Prayer says? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that input. Uh, but So just to, just wanted to say, if you're used to a different order, we acknowledge that. Not saying that you're wrong. Um, this is just, in general, we're, you know, I'm not really sure. Do you think the order matters a whole lot? No, I think,
1: well, I do think they're, uh, what I, w- I would default to, like, I would Google the Common prayer one, which you know, since I'm here, I might as well do that. I don't. I think as long as you're, uh, you're actually just celebrating the arrival of Jesus. I get that. And I get combining them so that you can have a week of expectancy. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think what, what's the point of Advent? The arrival of Jesus. Yeah are we are we celebrating that? Right. Now, yeah. if you're if it's a certain tradition, I could see someone getting into a little bit of a tizzy because it's like this is this is the tradition, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the word tizzy. Thanks for bringing that in. Yeah, yeah. You know. All right. Oh, regardless, we understand that joy is a huge part of the Advent season because the angel literally said, "Oh, you want to?" Before I jump ahead, it looks like you flip flopped love and peace. So love is week two and peace is week four, according to the Book of Common Prayer. I think so.
1: Rookie guide to an Anglican guide. Ooh, I like this. The rookie guy. That's what we need,
0: really. Yeah, we're a bunch of rooks. <laughs> so jumping forward, I think that joy is a clear, you know, it's a, it's a large part of the Advent season, uh, partly because when the angel appeared to proclaim that Jesus had come, they literally said, I bring you good news of great joy right? And so uh, good news of great joy is that Jesus has entered the world, that God has taken human form. And so we are here to celebrate that, to look forward to the arrival of joy into the world that has come and will come again. And we get to experience joy in him now. And so we're going to start out with this uh, passage in Second Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you listen to this, you might be like, that's kind of a weird passage to talk about joy. I understand that. We're going to kind of compare a couple different ways, the big idea today and something that I want to just encourage you all with as you think about joy in your own life and in this season and this week is that God wants us to have joy to some degree. Now, I'm not saying that uh, necessarily God wants you to just have a smile on your face all the time or something like that, but that there is an underlying joy that is available to you in his presence, in your hope of salvation, in just the idea that Jesus offers Offers life to you, uh, like I think there's kind of, um, and maybe this is something that we should have talked about last week with peace. Um, I think we talked a little bit more about maybe we focused more on like the surface level of peace and how kind of um, emotionally we develop, we talk about peace. I think for joy and peace as uh, both, there's kind of an underlying level of joy and peace that we can yeah. somewhat always have because of. The sacrifice of Jesus, you know, it's like always available to us. Um, and so uh, I want to talk about that first and just kind of look at this passage and see where Paul talks about the idea that you can hold two things at a time that might not sound like they go together, but because of our hope in Jesus, because of his arrival, we can have two at once. Make sense? Yeah. How, how would you, uh, just to
1: put a nice little bow on jo- defining joy, do you have... Do you have a definition of
0: joy or do you want me to define it? I think joy to me is, I don't know. You know, it's, here's, it's funny that you say that because I feel like somewhat all of these four things, this hope, love, joy, peace, um, they're all kind of related in some way and that they have this kind of quality to them that you hold on to that it just makes things better. Um, like joy to me is... The underlying feeling that things are going to be okay, and that you know, I'm not necessarily happy. I think there is a difference between the two. Happiness and joy are different. I think so. Even um, though joy
1: has, like, if you could define, like, if I didn't use the word joy, the feeling I would associate with would be happiness. Right. Is that fair? Or like a a good feeling, which I a good feeling to me would be being happy. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm just no. saying.
0: I would agree with you. Joy and happiness are different, but that's the first thing. They're so closely related that oftentimes, when you think like even feel similar, it's it's tough to make a definition of joy without using happy or something like that. Because that that smile on our face, that feeling of warmth, that you know whatever that is, it's it's so closely related. But I think that there's here's the difference. I think, and we'll get into this in the passage. Maybe this is a professional segue on your part uh, that. I think joy can be had in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of right. difficulty, in the midst of hardship. Whereas it's difficult to be happy and sad at the same time. Those we oftentimes think of those are as opposites. Um, I think you can have joy in the sadness. I, I think of the the writer of the that hymn. It starts as a hymn, we kind of have adopted it into more of a contemporary song now, but um it Is Well. It Is Well. That's the, that's what I'm thinking of. So he he's kind of is like lamenting it over the loss. It Is Well with my... Yeah. Oh, okay. Funny tangent here. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> it's not, we don't have time. Um, shout out to Seth Allen uh, singing this in college. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, so It Is Well is a song that was written by a man who lost his family at sea, I believe. Um, something to do with that. And he writes this hymn of it is well with my soul. In other words, I read that as I have peace. I have joy still in my soul, although I am sad and sorrowful and mourning the loss of my family. Yeah. I think, um,
1: so one, one thing when I, I used to say, uh, so happiness is based on happenings. It's circumstantial. Wow. That sounds like it's, that sounds like a youth message. It was a (laughs) hundred percent. And joy is not. So, I did look up just a quick definition. Uh, my one of my quick go tos is is uh, desiring God because I know it's I at least know it's reliable uh, or Gospel Coalition. Those are two that I know that will have sound biblical stuff that are I can or Bible Project. But uh, Christian joy. This is John Piper. So John Piper he says he's it's Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced so like happiness in the soul almost produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world, word and in the world. And so similar to what you're talking about, it's like, it's joy that is, is because of what Jesus is doing, has done. And so in that I can have this supernatural joy because of, because of God in the midst of trials, tribulations. It's probably why James says, Con- consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you can, when you go through various trials and tribulations, or what the passage we're about to read, and so, I, and I think you talk about all these different words: joy, peace, hope. Like we should always have this as as believers. This is why I think the writers in the Bible can actually say rejoice always, or always have peace. They can like they can use the always line because when in the Christian worldview, when we look at what Christ has done, or we should always have hope when we look at what He has done and what He will do. Like we are able to you know, by the power of the spirit and, and leaning in
0: on his truth, even with chaos going around us. Yeah. I think that what you're describing goes along well with the passage that we're about to read. And so let's just jump into that. Yeah. Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah. So this is again, second Corinthians chapter six, and it starts out this way. We're going to read the first 10 verses working together with him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you behold now is the favorable time behold now is the day of salvation we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hungers, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet well known as dying, and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. It's this upside down kingdom kind of economic that we live in, where we can have, we can appear on the outside to have nothing, and yet internally have everything, because we hold this joy, this peace, this hope, that love that Jesus has brought for us. And it's it, good word you mentioned that. You know, you talked about the, the the it's a fruit of the spirit, right? And so uh, this is another thing that Sarah and I were talking about the podcast from last week, um, and just talking about how like these things are produced inside of us. And if you think about a fruit, how does how does a fruit grow? Well, like a seed is planted, and then it, through watering, cultivating, taking care of it, it produces fruit, right? And so um, when you think about how that works as a fruit of the spirit, I think about how when you put your faith in Jesus like a seed is planted and as you see him work in your life as you see things outside of you as you go to him in times of distress and you as you as you spend time with him it waters that seed it produ- and it produces a fruit inside of you that you respond differently to things like hardships calamities f- hopelessness is different because there's a refined joy of refined peace inside of you that you can go to that you can find in the midst of hardship in the midst of calamity as, as Paul's talking about in this passage. No, it's,
1: it's fantastic. I mean, like just the imagery of just the seed, the, the Holy Spirit, almost like, uh, being a, 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 uh, like nutritious, uh, soil for your soul. And then the, and the Lord waters it. And, and in the, even in the midst of whatever it is, as you grow in maturity and faith, like in the spirit is, is, is you're living in the spirit. Like there is this, this growth and joy almost at this growth and, and ability to have peace because they are fruit of the spirit.
0: Yeah. Now I want to kind of maybe touch on a little bit of how this compares to what we were talking about with peace last week. Cause if you listen to last week's episode and you're hearing this one, you might feel like there might be a little bit of a contradiction just in that we were talking about how last week, like feeling our feelings, uh, you know, trying to find peace in difficult times, but that not like having fake peace or a false sense of peace. And now we're talking about how there's kind of always an underlying sense or an always an opportunity for peace. And so uh, when I say that, what kind of comes to your mind is the difference between maybe how we viewed it last week and how we're talking about it now. I think we're kind of talking about
1: different parts of the process, maybe. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I still would say, Paul isn't saying that in the there's still not like trials, there's still not like hardship going on here, and so there is an acknowledgement of the hardship. It's just and I, I, so I think Paul is acknowledging his feelings in some in some capacities, like when he when he writes about stuff like this. Yeah, Um and so for me, it's still a growth area to go like acknowledging the place I'm actually at. I just don't think I do that well. Right, but it's not. It's not to say that I still don't have, and I, and I also think it's the difference. It's it's probably why I really wanted to define joy in this one, and we probably could have defined peace earlier last week, because if you think about if it is like this, God like kind of watering, cultivating in your spirit, it's a different type of peace, or it's a different type of joy. It's not happiness, right? It's just different than. Um, than what maybe like a, a common person would say or a normal person would say what these definitions are, and so I, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's it's too different. I just think, um, I think maybe last week we were more talked about the rawness of feelings, and I think this week is much more talking about like what we eventually get, the place we eventually get to. It doesn't mean I still don't feel, you know, frustrated or hurt or whatever else it might be it just means that i the, i still have this underpinning peace or underpinning joy because the spirit is the spirit is 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 working and I, and i also know that jesus has accomplished something already and will finish it
0: yeah i think that's a good point and i think that paul really makes that point here as well like he he's not saying don't be sorrowful rejoice he's saying that in the in your sorrow right rejoice right like or have joy again I always think about that when I see, when I read rejoice I, I actually prefer to just read it as have joy again re yeah have take jo- joy again yeah. yeah and so like I think it's somewhat of the timeline of it right so it's not so much a if you're in a difficult season and look Christmas can be a difficult season for a lot of people you might have experienced loss you might be going through the first Christmas without a family member that you dearly loved or something like that going on right now and so um you know, it might not be helpful for us to be like, you know, have joy. Um, but there is, a, a, we would encourage you to go through the process of finding joy because there is joy available to you yeah. um, in the spirit that, you know, there's there's joy to be found in Jesus regardless of our circumstances.
1: Yeah. I mean, just just because I acknowledge and, and enjoy, like I am re- rejoicing in what Christ has done will do. Doesn't mean necessarily my circumstances have has changed. I still might be suffering. Right. Uh, I think the I think the Psalms are helpful in this too. Like mm-hmm. you see David or whoever writes the psalmist will. Uh, I would say the the biblical word is uh, lament, but we could also use the the twenty first century word to complain, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay. Um, and there's just like kind of some honest complaining or, or lamenting going on, and then most of them they usually come back to like who God is or who Yahweh is, and there is like joy or peace or like assurance, and it's just a part of the process. And so again, I'm in me and my own maturity, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to like not uh, just completely mitigate one portion of, of of the process. Now I, I do want to like I do want to like regularly rejoice in Jesus. Yeah. You know, which I think, um, I think we're, we're, we're another professional segue, unless you have something else to add to this is, I think that's why when you're talking about holidays and like calendaring, it's like, I want to get better at having these, uh, having moments throughout the year that, uh, that are like on my calendar that I can look forward to that will trigger
0: rejoicing in Christ, which is what Advent is. Right. Exactly, and this isn't a new idea. This isn't something that was just human created. This is something that God actually ordained in some ways, and he set up a pattern of it with the nation of Israel. And again, professional segue on Russell's part, because we want to transition now to talking about these feasts. So if you look at Leviticus chapter 23, you'll get a brief kind of rundown of these feasts that God sets up after the nation of Israel's had, exodus out of Egypt. And so he wants them to set up these these remembrances, these markers on their calendar of whether it be sacrifice, whether it be uh, rejoice about what God has done, whether it be the, uh, getting out of slavery, whatever it may be. Like there's all these different things that God is setting up in place throughout the year in order for them to really like take a moment to rejoice, to feast, to celebrate, to recognize the goodness of God and who he is and his character and what he's done for them. And I think that's why going back to that, what I said at the beginning about how we all have these kind of calendars ingrained in us, think about like what your calendar produces. Does it produce opportunities for you to rejoice, celebrate in the Lord? Or is it more so about, you know, kind of just embracing the hustle and bustle or the kind of gluttonous living that we aspire to here in the West um, that isn't necessarily feeding your soul? And so um, I want to talk about these seven feasts or celebrations real quick. I'm going to hit on each one of them and then Russell, I'll just kind of pass it to you to give kind of your final thoughts on what you think of them and how God, what God's trying to do here with them. But the first one is Passover. Uh, You probably have heard of Passover before. It's the idea of when Uh, The angel of death came to Egypt. He passed over the Israelites' houses that had the blood of the lamb over them. Um, It's a celebration of freedom from the slavery of Egypt and their exodus out. So that was set up for them in the spring. Uh, There's a feast of unleavened bread, which is directly after Passover. It's the rest of the week in which they would eat bread that did not have leaven in it because they were running quickly away from Egypt um, as they were escaping. And so they didn't have time to rise the bread. And so they do that in remembrance of that and the place that they've been and where God has taken them to now. There's the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost is a celebration of the law of Moses coming. And now today for us would be a celebration of the law of the spirit of God uh, descending on uh, Peter and uh, and the disciples and those that were celebrating in Jerusalem. Uh, you have the Feast of Trumpets, which is a day, a day of reflection and repentance over your sins. Uh, the Day of Atonement, which is a day of forgiveness, and we see Jesus as our atoning sacrifice on the cross. And then there's the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths, which, however your Bible might read, it's the idea that they would set up tents and live in them for a week uh, just to remind themselves of their temporary housing, the temporary place that they lived before they reached the promised land, to say, look, this is where we were, and this is what God did for us while we were there. Also, while they're in those tents, he ordained a day of the week for them to not work. Think about this for everyone out there that, you know, has a hard time Sabbathing or, um, you know, that's kind of the original one that God set up was the day of rest. But if you have a hard time sabbathing, God ordered, like actually instituted the Sabbath for the Israelites who were escaping from Egypt, and literally their only way of feeding themselves every day was to go out and hunt or fish or bake or whatever it may be, like to f- have food for the that day. And God would literally rain down manna from heaven in order for them to be fed that day so that they could take the day off and rest as he set the example for them to do. And so this feast of tabernacles or booths or whatever sets up, you know, you go and you live in a tent for a week, but you also eat a bunch of food that's provided for you in celebration of what God gave to you and how he provided for your ancestors and stuff like that, if you were an Israelite person. And so um, those are the seven feasts or celebrations that God sets up in Leviticus chapter 23 for the nation of Israel. And I think the important thing for us coming out of this is we've talked about this Advent season and all of the things that surround that and your calendar and all that is that God has made a path from uh, the third book of the Bible uh, from the earliest of his people setting up a rhythm and a routine of celebration and feasting and remembrance of what he's done and rejoicing. So, uh, Russell, I'll pass it back to you. To Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I think one, a
1: couple thoughts. Number one is I think sometimes when we think about like you know, I need to have a spiritual celebration or like a Christian holiday type thing. We think it's going to be lame. I mean, it's like, what is this? Like just all I do is just like sit quietly and like sing amazing grace, which I guess that could be really awesome. If that's your, your jam, if you're into that kind of thing, (laughs) if that's the way you vibe, (laughs) which I don't know if I'm using that word correctly. Um, but I, I think the funny thing is there's just a lot of partying going on. (laughs) And I think so, You know why why do we love the fourth of july like i i love food uh the more that you spend time with me like i'm definitely one of these people that's like for thanksgiving there's specific things that need to be at at the meal christmas not so much it's just we do a big breakfast but being further away from my family we've removed like i'm removed from that but like uh fourth of july there's like there need to be some grilled or or smoked meats because i live in kansas city now um but there's just things, you know what I mean? Like for your birthday, you go out for a nice meal, and I think so. One of it is it's it's acknowledging what Christ has done because you're remembering. Um, you're you're just remembering. You're remembering the promises of God. You're remembering that. And then when I remember what God has done, it causes me to have faith that He will come. He'll He'll be faithful again, which will co- causes me not to fear, which is good. And so I would say what I would challenge us to do is. A church or just as people is like, what are some rhythms, regular rhythms throughout my calendar that I can add that will, that will help me celebrate and remember what Christ has done. We already have two of them easy, right? That are easy or is Christmas and Easter, but like, how can you add more rhythms to that? Like throw a, throw a party. And like, yeah, you you take time to re- read some scripture and then you feast with people that you love. And it allows you to, that, that'll that'll allow you to rejoice together as you feast because of God providing all these different things. You know, maybe you know the day that you became a believer. Like I didn't write down the date that I became a believer. Maybe you know that. And like maybe you just like celebrate that day. Like you would celebrate your birthday. Um, but just adding that in. I, and I think the second thing I was going to say is. I do think um, at some point there was like a, maybe in the early 2000s or uh, or maybe late 90s um, there was kind of like this um, when the when the mega church type non denominational movement kind of blew up a little bit. I think a lot of times there was this uh, almost like a like a balk or like a like a turning away from tradition because it's too, it's too high church. It, it reminds us too much of the Catholic church or it reminds us of something else. And so what we, what we did for a long time was we ran the opposite way where we say anything that it has a tradition to it or anything that, that smells like, you know, just, I don't know, just an unauthentic tradition that like we don't touch. And so it's just weird to us. And I would say that we might need to recapture some of the sacredness of tradition, um, and, and discover what that looks like for us in our calendars. And uh, and I think it could actually be beautiful, and I think it'd be powerful. I think there'd be a lot of joy in it. And I also
0: think there'd be a lot of feasting and partying, and I'm about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I think as, I, as I'm as i hearing you talking, as I, I think your message on Sunday was really good, um, and it made me think like, I think that Advent is coming at just the right time for me this year. Uh, I really feel like good. I need a season of reminding myself of the peace and hope and joy and love in Christ. Uh, it's been a whirlwind of the last few months. Uh, feels like more often than not lately, life is happening to me as opposed to me actually living it. Um, and so uh, just setting myself up to have these markers of remembrance and celebration, um, I'm really thankful for it, and I'm thankful for what it's doing in my soul and hopefully just the, the fruit that it produces that, that we're hoping for. So,
1: Yeah. I, I think Advent is so powerful because it, it's, it is, it's a beautiful testament. of it, it is a testament of what a feast should be like. You're remembering Christ has come and that you celebrate because you know he's going to come back because he came the first time, and it should bring us joy. What has Christ accomplished that brings us joy? And what will he what will he eventually do? Because God's faithful. And um and so yeah, so add some rhythms this this holiday season. Add throw a party like just to celebrate Jesus. Uh and not like a lame party, like throw a good party. Be generous. Like think about these. These were good, these drinks, are like good food. These were like these were like seven day long parties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't like some like, oh, we got to be home by nine because you got to, you know, make sure we watch the voice and move on. It's like, no, like throw a dang good party (laughs) and celebrate with people you love and, 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 and take
0: joy in Jesus and the fact that now you have brothers and sisters in Christ. Yep. Love it. All right, uh, thanks for checking out this episode. I'm going to share our ver- joy verses for this week. Uh, again, feel free to use these however you see fit. Uh, there's seven of them, and here we go. First one, First Peter 8, 1, 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. John sixteen twenty two says, so with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you'll rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Psalm 35 says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Romans fourteen seventeen: for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12:2 says, "Fixing your, our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning a shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Psalm 16:11, "You make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore." And finally, John fifteen ten through 11 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, thanks so much for checking out this episode. Hope your Advent season is going well. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email, jake, J-A-K-E, at K C. that's the letter K, letter ccom dot com. I'd uh, be happy to reach out to you, be praying for you, uh, help you in any way that we can. If you want to have a discussion about what Advent means for you or how to process any of these uh, weeks that we've been talking about, I'd, lo- I'd love to do that with you. Hope you're having a fantastic week uh, and that Jesus is becoming known to you and that you are experiencing experiencing, uh, some hope and joy and peace and love in this season of, uh, waiting for his arrival. All right. We love y'all. See you back here next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.